How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Chomping at the Bit. I'm Kyle Edwards, of course. This episode, like the last episode where I talked about, you know, some of my observations for the Eastern Conference, what's going on. I'm going to do the same, except for the Western Conference on this episode. And, you know, just to let you know, every week throughout the rest of the NBA season, I'll dedicate, you know, a couple episodes to do the same thing kind of keep track of any movement that's been going on in terms of the standings you know uh, recent play all that kind of stuff so you know, like I said did the Eastern Conference on the episode before so when you finish with this with this episode go back and check out that one because I talked about uh, was after the Tatum 54 point game against the Nets so you know talk about the Celtics run as well as the rest of the East. So go ahead, take a look at the West and, you know, quickly run through some things that I've been noticing over the past couple of weeks and watching, you know, some NBA games. Uh, so I guess uh, go ahead and, well, quick thing, um, only because it doesn't deserve like a whole episode, but um, the MLB lockout continues. I think they canceled another week of games, although it seems like they might be close to an agreement. So whenever that happens, I will do a full episode on the MLB until they come to an agreement or they cancel the season. I'm not going to do a full episode, so I just want to start with that. But um, go ahead and get to the main topic of the episode, the Western Conference. And looking at the Western Conference... As I said about the East, the East this year is really competitive. You could take you know any of the top five and really see them winning the East. The West, not so much. The West is really top-heavy, and then it kind of thins out on your way down. And the bottom of the West is probably the worst you know, any conference has been in a while. So Phoenix leads the conference 53 and 13. Gotta admit that I thought that their level of play was going to fall off a little bit when Chris Paul went out. I thought they would have, you know, fallen back towards the pack a little bit, but hasn't happened at all. You know, they've continued their great play just shows the depth of their, you know, organization They've even won games where Booker was out as well for a couple there. But, you know, without Chris Paul, getting your production from Booker, Aiton, Bridges, Crowder, Payne. Payne's another guy who, got to admit, I was, I was wrong about 
I wasn't that big of a uh, Cameron Payne guy. Uh, I kind of thought he was one of those guys who you might forget and might be out of the league a couple of years into his career, but he's really found a, a spot with Phoenix. You know, he comes off the bench, he gives them energy. He can knock down some three-point shots. I wouldn't say he's like a, you know, knockdown three-point shooter, but he, he he can give you some perimeter scoring. And I think he's a good compliment to Chris Paul. So Phoenix has kept it together, which only bodes, you know, better for them when Chris Paul's, you know, thrown back into the mix. Seems like they're going to win the West right now, be the number one seed. And they're kind of running away with it. The race for the second seed between Memphis and Golden State is an interesting interesting one to watch. With Memphis, it's more about can their youth preside over the you know pressure that's going to come at the end of the regular season, continue to get wins, and possibly get that number two seed. Or will, or will Golden State, that's kind of run into some, uh, not poor play, but a bad stretch here where they've lost what, like seven of their last ten or something like that. And before, I think coming out of the All-Star break, Golden State was in a position where with Chris Paul being out, you thought Golden State might be able to catch Phoenix and pass them. But now, being nine games out and Memphis being eight and a half back, it definitely seems like they're battling out for number for the two seed. And as I go further down with this, I'll play into the whole playing and matchups there. Uh, interesting thing that I've been seeing with Golden State is that you know we we noticed through this run. That Draymond Green, the importance that he plays to that team because he's a guy who gives them a defensive identity. He also is a guy who can facilitate their offense. You know, he's not the most gifted offensive player, but by him being on the ball as a lead uh, point forward type, it allows Steph to, you know, roam free off the ball, off screens all that kind of stuff and not have to worry about bringing the ball up and getting the offense started. And also with Clay Thompson on the wing, you know, Draymond can help feed him the ball as well. Uh, I know that Draymond is supposed to come back. I think next Monday, supposedly. I'm wondering if that's the Celtics game, I think, but Draymond is, you know, targeting, I think it's the 15th as a date to come back. And it'll be interesting to see what Golden State looks like once he does. You know, if, if that catapults them into safely being the two seed or not. Um, it should definitely help a lot with their play. And, you know, make them look like the Western Conference contenders that they had been for most of the year. I think James Wiseman might be coming back soon as well. Now, his return, um, I guess I'm a little bit more, um, 
I guess I wonder more about his return because he hasn't really been in the mix at all this year. So now trying to implement him in the last 15 or so games, we'll see what that looks like, what kind of role they give him. I'm sure he'll probably be coming off the bench. And, you know, what does that look like with the second unit? But, um, but yeah, the other team that's been maybe the biggest surprise this year has been Memphis. You know, sitting at 45 and 22. Um, of course, they're they're going to go as far as John Morant can take them. Now, what I'm looking for with them is they were in, I think they were in the play-in last year, but now they've made this jump up to the top of the West. I wonder if their youth and inexperience will make them a prime suspect to be um, upset in the first round. You know, from a lower seed, of course. You know, if they fall to three, they'd be looking at maybe like a Dallas or Denver. And I think that'd be a tough matchup for them. But if they get up to, to the two seed, you know, they were dealing with seven. And that could be like a Minnesota or the Clippers. And then I think they'll have a better chance. So uh, for them, it'll probably be more important to, to get the two seed. But um, I think either way, this is just a uh, stepping stone for them because they're clearly ahead of schedule. You know, making the plan last year, okay. I think coming into this year, probably would have guessed they might have been another play-in team again this year. So as much playoff experience that they can get this group, is going to be vital for them going forward. Um, I think I'll talk about John Moran a little bit later because I saw an interesting question. Might have been on Twitter. I'm actually going to talk about it now. So, with you know Tatum's recent run of play, Morant, the year that he's been having, you have Luka and what he's been doing the past couple of years. Uh, you have Trey Young, who I guess is becoming a bigger star around the country. You know, it was asked, I guess, how you would rank them or who you would take if you're building your team since they're all under the age of 25. And I think for me, if you'd asked me the beginning of the year, I probably would have gone Luca 1. Um, right, Tatum two, Morant three, and then Trey four. And now looking at it, I think the it probably like tiered between the four of them because I think I'd probably still go Luca, but I think Tatum is closer to Luca now than probably being, you know, to Morant. I think Morant's still three, and I think Trey Young is probably further down the list at four than probably at the beginning of the year because, yes, Luka can dominate a game with scoring, 
This is a big guard. He grabs rebounds. And with the ball in his hands a lot, he gets assists. He can get your triple doubles at least a couple a year. Um, Tatum, like I said, ever since about January 1st, he's taken his game up a notch to where offensively it's just so easy going for him now. You know, he gets to his spots. He doesn't take a lot of tough shots anymore. He doesn't settle for three as much anymore. If he's in rhythm, he'll shoot him. If not, he gets to the rim a lot more. Plus, Tatum, out of the group of four, plays the best defense. So I think that's why he's safely in at two and pushing Luka for number one, but I'd still take Luka first. Uh, John Morant, to me, is... You know, better than Trey Young, even though Trey Young is more of a perimeter shooter than John Moran is. And I think if Morant was able to develop a consistent perimeter jumper, his game would just take off even more and he'd become one of the more difficult guards, you know, to cover in the game. But what I like about Morant over Young is I think Morant is a little taller, I believe. But at least has like a bigger build. I like his explosiveness to the rim. Because one knock I have about Trey Young is he will settle for that deep three way too much. And I think it is because, especially now with the new rules of defense where you're allowed to be a little bit more physical with guys. uh, Trey Young doesn't really have, I mean he has some handles. But I don't think he has the quick first step. To blow by a lot of guys. So now that's why back like last year. If he could get a little bit ahead of of the defender. He would do like that quick stop move to have the guy run into him. And then get to the free throw line like that. Since that's kind of been taken away from him. At least it seems like to me he struggles more in the paint. And trying to finish at the rim. So I think because of that, he's like the clear number four. But I would still go Luka one. Um, and I think, like I said, this year, and especially this, like the past month, month and a half, I feel like it's made it more clear to me that Tatum is the second guy in that group. But like I said, beginning of the year, some people probably would have Tatum. Maybe third or even fourth which wouldn't be a thing now. But um, I guess getting back to, you know, Western Conference stuff. Um, Utah. I, I feel like Utah is a team that's going to be kind of stuck in the middle of the playoff race year in and year out. I don't think they'll... I don't think the way they're currently constituted is a championship type roster, but I think they'll be consistently in like the top half of the West. Now, I don't know how long that will appease Utah fans. Not sure about that. I feel like at some point there's going to be some pressure on Donovan Mitchell or on Utah to put a winner around Donovan Mitchell before Maybe some people will start, you know, trying to pull them away, you know, get them to a bigger market or something. 
Um, I think Rudy Gobert, his impact has taken a step back this year. Um, you know, he still is defensively inclined, but I, like I said, I don't feel like he's you know, really impacting Utah in terms of wins and losses as much this year. So um, I think that they are clearly in that next tier down. Because if you look at it, you'd have Phoenix kind of in a tier by itself. Uh, Memphis, Golden State, step down to second tier. Third tier will be Utah, Dallas, Denver. They're all kind of similar where they have some talented pieces, but you don't think they have the full you know, rotation that would get them over the hump out of the West and winning a title. Uh, Denver, I know Denver's dealing with a lot of injuries, mainly Jamal Murray, who I wonder when we're going to see him again. Will we see him this year? I don't know. Michael Porter Jr., I don't know what's going on there either. But Jokic has kept that team afloat. Um, I think he's starting to close the book on the MVP race. If we're if we're you know if I were voting on it, I would take Jokic again this year. I know what Embiid's been doing in Philly or DeRozan in Chicago, but I think in terms of the circumstances, I feel like Jokic has just been has just been the best player. Um, it's been an interesting run for like the past week or so. We've seen. Jokic had back-to-back triple-doubles. We saw the Tatum 54-point game. And then he backed it up against Charlotte with 44. Uh, we saw what the Kyrie Irving 50-point game. Uh, LeBron had a 50-point game. Um, is another performance I'm missing. But yeah, we've seen like a lot of great individual performances past week and it's been been great for the NBA um, but uh, but like I said Jokic I feel like is the favorite there for the MVP uh, you know Dallas like I said is in that group Utah Dallas Denver you know Dallas went through a little bit of a reshaping of their roster around the trade deadline Porzingis out bringing in Dinwiddie Bertans I think those two probably fit what uh, Dallas is going for in terms of surrounding Luka with people where if he can get into the paint, paint collapses on him, he can kick out too. Now, Bertans is more of a three-point threat than Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie is real streaky out there, but Dinwiddie can knock down a perimeter shot. Don't get me wrong. It's just that he's more of like your deep two-type shooter who, if he gets a rhythm, can stretch it out to the three. And so I think if for any one of those teams to actually break through, it would take, you know, probably a lower seed to knock off somebody from the top three. And then, uh, you know, hopefully have like a 
Golden State knock off a Phoenix in the second round and then get to the conference finals and only have to face one of those top three teams, I think. Not saying that they couldn't do it. I just think that those three, their odds are less than the top three. And even in the top three in the West, Memphis is the team that I worry about because of the inexperience, because of, you know, if you are sound defensively going up against Memphis and you saw what the Celtics did to them, you know, you would just. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Um, let Morant run pick and roll, sag off him, go underneath the pick. That way you're cutting off his direct line to the hoop. Because right now, you you would take any day him settling for perimeter jump shots. Now, if he has a day where he's on, then you kind of stick him out there. If he beats you from out there, you shake his hand, you move on to the next game. But for Memphis, you can't lose to Memphis with Morant killing you at the rim or constantly... You know, getting into the paint, kicking out to uh, the. I mean, they don't—they don't even really have any other perimeter shooters on Memphis because Dylan Brooks is being out. So for Memphis, you kind of want to keep them out of transition because they'll kill you if it's running up and down. Now we don't see a lot of that in the playoffs. That's why I'm like, Memphis is a team I'm worried about, but I like the direction they're going in. Uh, so that's your top six. And then your playing teams. I mean, Minnesota has been a breath of fresh air this year. Finally seeing them have a successful season. Uh, you know, Carlton Towns winning the three-point contest. Anthony Edwards having a good second year. D'Angelo Russell, you know, giving them a third guy who can get you buckets. Um... Let's see. Well, the two LA teams seem to be locked into the play-in tournament at this point. But before the season started, you probably wouldn't have thought that those two teams would be locked into the play-in. Now, it's totally different circumstances for those teams. The Clippers have gone all year with no Kawhi Leonard, who had it was the knee surgery. I honestly can't remember the last time Paul George played. I know he played at some point this year. I just couldn't tell you how long it's been. It's been a while since I've seen him on the court. And they've managed to be 34 and 33. 
yes, coming into the year, like I said, that's not where they're expecting to be, but no Kawhi, no Paul George. You know, they really had to deal with what they had to rely on. You know, Reggie Jackson some nights, uh, Terrence Mann other nights. Um, a collective effort some nights. Um, they've they have done well to, you know, keep their head above water, be above 500, be the best team in L.A. right now. Uh, they're, what, five games better than the Lakers. Lakers have been a complete disaster this year. I've talked about it a couple times. Um, you know that I, mean, I think the Lakers lost again in their last game to Houston, which back-to-back nights they've lost to Houston, San Antonio. Now this is a team fighting for their playoff lives, well, play-in lives, and they lost to two teams that are well below them in the standings. Houston is, I think, the worst team in the NBA. Now, LeBron didn't play against San Antonio. Still doesn't, you know, excuse them losing that game. It's the game they should have won anyway. But he played against Houston, and they still lost in overtime. Now, the, the one thing I haven't been able to, you know, to really stand this year is the Lakers being so bad and always seems like there's an excuse for some people for the way that they're playing. I would love to hear what it is this time. Um, how they're going to try to justify losing the San Antonio and Houston back-to-back games. And side note to all that, this whole Westbrook story, so if you hadn't heard, you know, Westbrook was talking about how some fans calling him West Brick and, you know, all that going on has made it so that he doesn't want to take his family to games and his family doesn't even want to go to games or something like that. Now, I get it. If fans go overboard, you know, talk about your family or something like that, I get it. But calling him Westbrook and then the way that he's reacted to it, where it's like they're calling him out of his name, and he says he's going to start calling it out when he hears it and stuff like that, I feel like that's too much. They're just calling him West Brick because it fits with his name being Brooke, West Brook. He was having tough shooting night after tough shooting night. And usually when you struggle shooting, they're saying that you're bricking your shots. Made sense. So... I mean, I don't know what's going on, but I, I yeah, it's just a weird story. Because then he had the press conference before with the reporter talking about his expectations and this team not living up to him, and Westbrook going back at him like, "What were my expectations? You tell me." Since you're saying, and it's just like I don't know. I think it's to the point where Westbrook just wants the year to wants the year to end so he can get out of there because all of their well not all of it most of their you know lack of success has been put at his feet I think that's been wrong because there's been a whole bunch of issues I talked about them before but quickly 
Anthony Davis not being able to stay hurt, stay healthy, which Laker fans, you did it to yourself because he was never healthy in New Orleans. Don't know why you thought just by him going to L.A., he was going to magically be healthy all the time. You gave up a whole bunch to get him, and now you're seeing what you're getting. So that's one. Two, the roster makeup was a mess to begin with. This is a team that was unathletic and couldn't defend last year. And they just brought in older, more unathletic people and more people who couldn't defend. You tell me how that was supposed to solve the problem. Three, they brought in Westbrook when people were saying that they could have gotten Buddy healed and somebody else from Sacramento. Can't remember who. Clearly, what people have been telling me all the all of LeBron's career, you have to surround him with shooters. They had a chance to get one of the better, younger shooters in the league, and Buddy Heald didn't want him. They wanted Westbrook instead. And when they got him, and people were saying like, oh, watch out for this team. They're going to be dangerous on the court. I told people, it's not going to work. Because if you're going to bring in Westbrook, have him on the court with LeBron, you're not going to get the best out of Westbrook. And you're seeing it. Because when he's playing out there with LeBron, Westbrook is basically being asked to be a guy who stands around and if the ball swings to him, he either has to take a jump shot, make a quick move, and whatever. That's not where he's most effective. When Westbrook was getting, you know, triple doubles in Oklahoma, had the whole season where he averaged a triple-double. It was him grabbing the rebound, pushing the pace, getting to the rim. Or pushing the pace, pulling up for like that elbow jump, the um, free throw jumper. You don't see any of that now. So, the team was put together. And analytically and all that, wasn't going to work. But Laker fans talked themselves into thinking that this was their their roster that was going to bring them another title. And when it didn't work, they needed to find a scapegoat. And Westbrook became the guy. And I think Westbrook's over it now, it seems like. So I don't know what the Lakers are going to do this offseason. You know, sure, they'll make the play in, I guess. Only because Portland's a mess. Because any other year, being 28 and 37 should not have you thinking playing tournament. But being in ninth, you know, they have the Pelicans behind them. And then I guess Portland or San Antonio is the closest to try to get them out of the playing right now. They've got a two and a half game cushion. So I'm thinking that they're going to get in. Um, but... But yeah, Westbrook clearly wants out, and I think it'd be perfect for him. Don't know where he'll go next year, but yeah. Um, what, else was, what was I about to say? But um, but yeah, this and we see this all the time with these LeBron teams. They'll have some success, but when it gets to the end of it, it is real messy. Um, 
that we're seeing it. Like I said, it's an aging roster. If LeBron were to leave, the Lakers would be stuck with some of these guys and would be in full-blown rebuild mode. If LeBron stays, I, I, I don't know how they fix it because... Um, one, people need to face facts. LeBron's slowing down. I had somebody tell me on Twitter the other day that, yo, LeBron's saving himself because this year's a wash. He's saving himself for like the next two years so he can play with Bronny or whatever. Look, he may want to do that. Some team may, will probably make it happen for him, but... People are acting like this is some type of blip on the radar for LeBron and LA. But if you look at it, this is something I've said a few times online as well. He's been there four years now. The first year, he got hurt late in the year, missed the playoffs. Second year, luckily they got four. They got the four-month break because of the pandemic. You know, the whole Rudy Gobert touching the microphones and people freaking out. Four-month break, came back, went to the bubble in Orlando, um, played out all the games there, no travel for playoffs, nothing like that, wins a title. Okay, the following year, last year, they struggled just like this, made the play-in. If you remember, LeBron said he hated the play-in tournament. Made the play and got out of the play in to get destroyed by Phoenix in the first round. This year, it's playing tournament again. Looks like they'll be battling for the 8C, which means they'd have to play Phoenix again, which means they're going to get beat again. Because as the teams at the top, if you're a Laker fan and you want to hold on to that glimmer of hope, you would want the Lakers to get Memphis or Golden State in the first round. Memphis, like I said, inexperienced for Golden State. They're a small team. That's what you'd want. If you end up with Phoenix, like I said, you can you can forget it. Phoenix has size in the middle. They have size on the wings. And they have size in the backcourt with Booker. So that's going to be the worst matchup for the Lakers. And that's banking on them making it out of the play-in tournament. Because who's to say, you know, Minnesota beats the Clippers and then the Lakers have to play the Clippers after, I guess, beating the Pelicans or Blazers or the Spurs. The Clippers have had the Lakers number all year. And by then, Paul George could be back. So there's a good chance the Lakers actually missed the playoffs this year. Now, I know LeBron will be above the blame for all that, but if you could be honest with yourself, LeBron is a part of the problem there. And now he, you know, he missed the last game with knee soreness, which I not exactly what you want to hear about a 37-year-old that now his knees are becoming a problem. So, I don't know. Just something that's interesting to me. 
Um, I mean, the rest of the West is the rest of the West. Not really. I guess the Pelicans real quick. Um, well, in terms of the Pelicans, uh, Zion Williamson, I guess there's a chance he's going to play this year. I, I don't know. That whole story. That's a whole other thing. I mean, hurting the foot. Then I think putting on weight would cause a setback in the recovery. Then having another procedure on his foot. And now it's maybe he can come back towards the end of the year. If I'm New Orleans, I should be worried because if he doesn't play this year, let's just say, goes into the offseason, can you guarantee he's going to be in the best shape coming back into next year? I don't, I can't see how you can promise that, but. Zion's at a very interesting point in his career right now because he's a guy who's built on strength, athleticism for his position. And if this foot injury or whatever becomes the start of something, Zion being a, I guess, top-tier talent there could be a very small window of that, which would be unfortunate for New Orleans because when they took on number one, they assumed it was going to be their chance to get out of the whole disappointment of how Anthony Davis's tenure there ended. You know, where they had Davis and Boogie Cousins, but that didn't work. They really thought Zion was the guy with Brandon Ingram. A couple of other guys there was going to get them back into the playoffs, but I don't know. I, I'm really having some doubts about if Zion will, you know, live up to the hype that he had coming into the league. Will he have a long career? I think it's a serious question you have to ask yourselves now. Um, but I mean, he's still young, so he can turn it around, but I'd like to see like when he goes into the offseason, if he can come back in like much better shape, I'd be fine. But if he comes back and weight becomes another issue, um, you know, possible foot thing again, then I'd I'd push, you know, worry scale all the way up to ten. But yeah, so that's how I'm looking at the Western Conference right now. Like I said, Phoenix looks like the clear-cut favorite to make it out. And as I said, I was actually kind of wrong about them because I did wonder after they lost in the finals last year if they were a team that might have been a one-and-done type thing in terms of being title contenders. Well, I mean, they've they've definitely proved me wrong so far this year. But um, we'll see. The Chris Paul injury is going to be very important there. But, um, but yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, once again, this episode did go a little bit longer than my normal episodes do now, but, uh, there's a lot I wanted to talk about. So went a little bit longer, but, um, but yeah, so you know what to do, you know, like subscribe, follow, leave a review, leave a comment, 
all that good stuff uh, really helps me out and you know any comment or review you leave whether it's good or bad I, I want to hear from you guys uh, definitely help me out you know let me know what you like about the uh, podcast so far things you'd like me to change any topics you want me to talk about definitely put those in the comment or review as well um, can also follow me over Twitter at Chomping Podcast. Let me know there as well. Um, I've also talked about what podcast being on Good Pods now. If you do listen over there, follow the show there, and you can do the same over there. Review and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, but yeah. So thanks again. You know, hope you know share podcast with you know friend family member try to grow the community but um as i always say at the end of the episode be safe out there god bless and catch the next episode all right i'm out have a good day Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today.